seems a little strange to me that people would be interested or even inspired by me or any story that I have to tell. It has come to my attention, though, that I couldn't be more wrong. My story starts in August of 2014. I had just started back to work after the birth of my second child. I was working as the head wardrobe stylist at an entertainment news program. The job was always stressful, but I went back to it with a renewed sense of excitement, hoping that this time it would be different. I had been there for seven years and also had my daughter while working there in 2010. I remember going back then with the same hope that somehow it would be completely different when I returned. Alas, it was not. It was a horrible, stressful place to work, and I quickly became overwhelmed by the pressure of trying to be great at my job and still be a good wife and mother. Pretty soon, I wasn't doing any of those things well and had lost sense of who I was. Most nights, I would cry to my husband about the ridiculous nature of my job. In September of 2014, my husband and I had made the choice that I would step away from my job in order to find myself and get a new place in the job world. I took a few weeks to get back to being me, and then I turned to what I wanted to do. I decided to start my own personal styling business. I was so excited by the prospect of being my own boss, of making my own hours, and being able to do things like volunteer at my children's schools. Of course, all of that would come with a different price because my income was always the constant in our house. We knew we'd have to adjust, but the happiness we hoped this life would offer us would make it worth it. After my husband built my website, we launched my business in January of 2015. It was hard and it was scary. I'll never forget my first client going to a complete stranger's house to do a closet audit. It didn't take me long to realize that this is what I should have moved to a long time ago. I felt so fulfilled, appreciated, and most of all happy. It took a little over a year to get into the swing of things to consistently book three to five clients a week. We had to make a lot of changes, but the happiness it brought to me and my family made it all seem worth it. In September of 2016, just when my business was really catching its stride, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I remember this day like it was yesterday. I knew what they were going to tell me. It had been 48 hours since the mammogram, ultrasound, and biopsy. My guess was is that they don't move quite that fast when they aren't sure there's something to be concerned about. about. I was diagnosed with DCIS, one of the most common and treatable breast cancers. It was found in my right side and then after an MRI in my left side as well. I was told that my surgery, a double mastectomy, would remove the cancer and I should be fine. I was told by my doctor while crying hysterically that, Amy, this is not going to kill you and you are going to be okay. Nothing can really prepare you for a diagnosis of any kind, but in the big picture, I tried to stay positive and feel lucky it would be relatively easy. When trying to explain my diagnosis to our daughter, who was then six, we even called it easy peasy cancer, to which she replied, mommy, this is impossible. You're the healthiest person in our family. Uh, Actually, she was right. I ate well, I exercised, and when they tested me for genetic markers, I had none. I also, it also did not run in my family. So it was just a fluke, lucky me. In November of 2016, I had my surgery. It was, as expected, a difficult time, the least of which was not being able to lift or carry either of my kids for 12 weeks. My son, the youngest, who was two and a half, took it the hardest. But in the weeks that followed, I was healing nicely and coming to terms as much as I could with my new self. Then I received a call from my surgical oncologist who explained to me that during the biopsy of what they had taken out, 
they had found a second type of breast cancer, this one more aggressive. It was very small, but as she explained to me, if this type of cancer is found in a scan, it is too late to be quote unquote cured. They can only extend your life until the cancer takes over. In my case, the amount was so small, more surgeries and chemotherapy would be the next step. In the months between the surgeries and the chemo starting, I went back and forth about not wanting anyone to know and sharing my journey via social media, hoping somehow it would make a difference in my life or somebody else's. I realized when I faced what was happening to me and spoke about it, it was therapeutic and I really needed that. So in January of 2017, I announced my diagnosis on Facebook and Instagram. I also started chemo the same month. I could immediately... I could see immediately that I had made the right decision. The support and love I received for myself and my family was so overwhelming. It really does take a village. Going through this with two small children did not give me the opportunity to curl up in a corner and cry, even though sometimes I did that when no one was around. My husband, Matthew, and I wanted as much as possible to maintain a somewhat normal life for them. I felt like we mostly succeeded in doing that. So when you're diagnosed with cancer and you have to go through chemotherapy, the doctors give you a big pamphlet before you start with all the medicines your therapy will include and all of the possible side effects. Needless to say, it's more than a little intimidating. And of course I thought, I'm going to be strong and kick this cancer right in the ass. I'm not going to have any of these problems. Nope, not me. Well, I had my first treatment on a Wednesday, and by Saturday evening, it hit me like a ton of bricks. The children creeped out of their room to the side of me, throwing up all over the kitchen floor. I could not stand up to make it to the bathroom. Unfortunately, it got worse from there, and our house is too small to try and hide in a room somewhere so they wouldn't have to see me going through that. The good news is, I snapped back that first time pretty quickly, so three weeks later, we could take my daughter to Legoland to celebrate her sixth birthday. I had cut my hair short so that transitioning to the hair loss was easier. I had very long, pretty nice hair. It was kind of my thing. The doctor said that the hair would fall out about three weeks after the first treatment. Sure enough, it started falling out at Legoland, but I was prepared with cute beanies and scarves. My daughter and I were getting on a ride together, and when we sat down to put the seatbelts on, the attendant said, I need you to take off your beanie and leave it in this cubby until you finish the ride. I could feel my daughter's stress about me taking the beanie off and clumps of hair possibly coming with it. I took the beanie off proudly, she held my hand, and we had a great time on the ride. That Monday, my friend and hairstylist Sarah offered to come by my house to shave my head. It was both terrifying and oddly relieving. Most of my daughter's anxiety about me having cancer once she knew it wouldn't kill me was my hair loss. I think it scared her as much as it scared me. I showed up that day to pick her up at school with a scarf on. In the car on the way home, she asked me if I had hair anymore. I told her we shaved it off and there was silence from the back seat. Later that night, she asked me to come over to where she was sitting on our couch. She asked me to take off the scarf so she could see. I did. She told me, oh, That's not as bad as I thought. You look pretty, and now I can really see your face. Cue the tears. Then she said, you don't have to cover your head here at home, but can you please continue to cover it when you pick me up from school? And I said, yes, of course I can. That was a little over a year ago, and now I sport a short pixie haircut. 
I continue to share my journey via social media, and while I have finished my active treatment, I still have a host of side effects from both chemo and long-term medicine I have to take. As well as medical bills, that still pile up, even with decent medical insurance. Though I have never posted specifically about our financial stress, I suppose people can assume it. A couple of months ago, I was called to serve jury duty. I posted something funny on Instagram about being bored and look at my cute outfit. People laughed and commented, but I never gave it a second thought. I ended up being released that day by the judge due to possible financial hardship. The next day, I received a message via Instagram from someone who only knows me through Instagram. We mutually follow each other and comment often in each other's posts. She asked me how jury, jury duty was going, and I explained I had been released and why. Then she asked me if I had a PayPal account. I said yes and explained it was under my email address. I still wasn't sure why she was asking me, but then 10 minutes later, there was a very generous deposit made in my PayPal. I was in shock. She explained that every month she gives to a charity, and this month she picked me. I mean, wow, right? Someone I don't even know? Basically, a total stranger is giving me this amazing gift. That night, when Matthew got home, he was able to pay two bills that, without that money, we would not have paid those bills that night. Matthew was overwhelmed by emotion, as was I. Mo is her nickname, so that's how I'll refer to her. She lives across the country, so we exchanged phone numbers. I texted her about the payment of those bills and the unbelievable timing of that money and obviously thanked her profusely. The next day, she texted me asking if she and her coworker could set up a GoFundMe page for me and my family. And I was hesitant because I just didn't feel like things were that dire for us. Uh, even though they are, I mean, we have a roof over our head and I'm still alive, right? She sort of insisted that I let somebody do something nice for me, saying, anything you get is helpful, right? She was so right. So I sent her a few pictures and my story. The next day, the page was up with the most beautifully written story. I cried and just could not believe someone would want to do that for us. Mo and I have exchanged lots of text messages at this point. The page has been up for a little over a month and helped us get out of our hole little by little. Matthew, who can be a bit of a cynic, has had his faith in humanity restored, as have I. I would say 95% of the people who have donated do not know us. They just know Mo. And if she's going to support someone, then they will too. There are good people in this world, and social media can work in mysterious ways. I can't wait to hug Mo in person one day. Thank you for taking this journey with me. Telling my story has been a pleasure, and my hope is that in some way it will make others feel good. What have you learned about yourself from sharing this story? I have learned once again that sharing my story is incredibly therapeutic. While sharing, I even found new emotions that I had in regards to my journey. I think when you're going through anything, you sort of power through and do what you have to. At least that's what I did. While telling my story, I felt like I was telling someone else's story, therefore seeing it from a different place and acknowledging that what I went through was life-changing. What's your biggest dream? Wow, this is such a huge question to answer. In regard to this journey, my biggest dream is the day when cancer is so much in my rearview mirror that I can hardly remember what it was like, when I'm happy with my new normal. In regards to a bigger picture, my biggest dream is to live a long and healthy life with my family and watch my children grow up to be incredible humans and to live each day like it's my last. 
We all have a story to share and a voice that is meant to be heard, and we want to share yours. For more information and to get involved, visit storiesofinspiringjoy.com. Stories of Inspiring Joy is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created by Sydney Weiss. You can find all episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you like the show, hit subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and follow along on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're creating greater connection and community, one powerful story at a time.